Hey, Abby. Yeah. Check this out. アメリカのジャーナリスト、アビー・マーティンさんとプロデューサーのマイク・プリスナーさんです。マーティンさんはおよそ15年にわたってアメリカの外交政策などについて報道を続け、これまでにパレスチナのガザ地区を舞台にした長編ドキュメンタリーなどを制作してきました。Well, on a newspaper being sold at 7 Eleven, <laughs> it wasn't like a 7 Eleven news bulletin. <laughs> in, yes, we were, we were also in the newspaper frequently, which you could find at newsstands. Anyways, that and more on today's patron only podcast. <laughs> Yeah, Mike, it was a great trip. We just got back about a week ago. We are still severely jet lagged, wanting to fall asleep at 1 p.m. every day for the night. It's a plus 16 hours time change. I guess it's like the exact other side of the world. Yeah, exactly. It was a very long travel experience to get there to Guam and then from Guam to Okinawa because you can't really fly directly to there. So we went to Tokyo first, backtracked to Okinawa, and then coming back, we took three flights to get back to LA. And because we have a toddler who wakes up very early, we have not been able to recover at all. It's been very crazy, actually. I, I had no idea. I mean, I've been to Asia before, but I don't remember jet lag lasting this long. <laughs> It's like never ending. Probably to make matters worse, we were trying to do our trip as fast as possible because、yeah. we were leaving our toddler with、uh, my mom and sister, and we just really missed that little, little guy. And、uh, so we didn't want to be gone a day longer than we had to be. So we packed in what would normally have been like a month worth of work. Yeah, like a four week trip into a two week trip. We were working from 7 a.m., probably stopped shooting at, get back to the hotel at 8 p.m., and then had to spend a couple hours working and preparing for the next day, unloading media, organizing it, all that stuff. So it was kind of a wild, wild two weeks in addition to the time change. Anyway, if there was no jet lag, we still would be tired still. Yeah, on the way there, I didn't really feel impacted by it. I mean, it, it was kind of fine. Even though we were working so long every day, I didn't feel like I was affected. It was, it's really coming back, which really fucks you up. And yeah,、um, we've been sluggishly trying to put our thoughts together, trying to get this episode out, trying to update you guys on the incredible trip that we had. And it was just really. It was really nuts to have so much focus on the trip from local Okinawan media and so much coverage. 
That um, didn't happen in Guam. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't happen in Guam. And we're going to explain the vast differences between these two places. Yeah. And um, so this, uh, this podcast is really just to update all you donors yeah. on how the trip went because your donations have made it possible. So this isn't meant to be like a Empire Files podcast about Guam and Okinawa. That's There's so much more to that story, but this is mainly about what we did there and what we learned and just what we wanted to share with all of you. Yeah, with a little bit of context about why we chose these two places. You know, we've we've been going on the ground to an oceanic territory that is still heavily militarized by the U.S. empire. And essentially... Not only the strategic value, but essentially how they've been made sacrificial zones. And of course, you know, because of their location, they've always been used for that. So Guam was first colonized by the Spanish before the U.S. took it over. And Okinawa was first colonized by Japan before it was taken over, which we'll get into. So their uh, centuries of history is um, one of being a big military empire coming in. And then the U.S. was just a second empire to take each of them over. So very different stories that I think are important. And we're looking forward to sharing it with you guys. So let's, um, well, I guess we'll go in chronological order, Abby. We went to Guam first and let's just go kind of day by day in Guam. So, Mike, we decided to go to Guam um, for obvious reasons. I think anyone who peripherally pays attention to the nature of U.S. empire, who probably is a fan of Empire Files, understands that Guam is one of the last colonies, like straight up colonies in the world. Um, it is one of the last officially un- like unincorporated territories. So there's only 17 of these left that um, are established as such by the United Nations. And so it is kind of in a category by itself. It's very disturbing because of how far away it is. Like a lot of people are under the perception that Guam is just right off the coast of the U.S. In fact, when we posted that we had gone there um, and I posted the tagline of Guam that where America's day begins, that's essentially what you'll see all over Guam. It's the official slogan. It's the official slogan. It's on the driver's license. It's on the driver's license in Guam where, where America's day begins because Just like the saying, the sun never sets on the British Empire, the sun never truly sets on the American Empire when you're looking at the amount of space (laughs) between Guam, a U.S. colony, and the mainland United States. It's thousands and thousands of miles away. It's It's actually just off the coast of Australia. It's closer to Australia than it is anywhere else. It's basically just smack dab in the middle of Australia and Asia. It's crazy fucking far. It's actually like the farthest point that you could possibly go from where we are. Yeah, so a lot of people do not understand where Guam is and how bizarre it is that there's this colony that's still so far out there. And that's why we wanted to go there. Just the the kind of forgotten about history of Guam, how it continues to be colonized today and used as a military proxy 